BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. We, uh are going to carry the press conference next hour. Uh, they have a suspect arrested in the killing of the L.A. Catholic Bishop David O'Connell, found dead of a single gunshot wound in Hacienda Heights in his home. His home's owned by the Archdiocese, and he was found dead in his bed one o'clock in the afternoon. Kind of strange. The suspect appears to be the husband of a woman who worked in the home for O'Connell and the Archdiocese. Uh, one, there's one news outlet said a neighbor identified the suspect as Carlos Medina. The wife had worked for Bishop O'Connell. Another neighbor said the suspect was an odd man in his 50s who is up at all hours of the night digging in his yard. And uh, his yard is filled with all kinds of junk. And she, the wife, was a devout Catholic. So there's uh, that's where the story is. Next hour is a press conference. Police will be revealing uh, officially his identity. This is I just stress this is just various news reports that are floating around. Um, let's go turn to Huntington Beach. Somehow the government has decided there's uh, a certain number of housing units that must be built. In Huntington Beach, uh, the exact number is 13,368. This is part of this movement coming out of Sacramento to override local zoning laws, override the desires of the local population, and they'll tell you what the city should look like and what kind of buildings ought to be erected and what kind of people ought to be living in the buildings. So... uh, the Huntington Beach is filing a lawsuit. The, both California and Huntington Beach are filing lawsuits against each other. We're going to talk to the city attorney who we've had on before, uh, various issues, Michael Gates, and uh, see what this is all about. Michael, are you there? Hey, John, how are you? Good to be with you again. What is the uh, what is <laughs> Sacramento telling you to do? 
Well, basically, since 2017, um, and then more so in 2018, the state of California has passed a whole host, a flurry, really, of housing laws um, designed basically to redevelop cities like Huntington Beach. So, um, you know, just for context, 95% of the state's population resides in 5% of California territory. So there's swaths of land, acres and acres and acres of, of undeveloped land. And rather than focusing on those areas where the state could create incentives for development in undeveloped areas of the state, the state has passed all of these laws to target places like Huntington Beach, where 26 square miles were 95% or more already fully developed. The state's targeting us to redevelop so that um, it will disrupt and remake our suburban beach town into a high-density mecca. Um, the 13,368 that you mentioned, if Huntington Beach redeveloped at a 20% inclusionary rate, that means, John, believe it or not, we would nearly double our entire housing inventory just in the next few years if the state gets what it wants. They would they want you to double the Nearly housing? double. So we have eighty one we, we have eighty one thousand dwelling units currently and that's a, a mix of apartments, single family homes, but we have eighty one thousand dwelling units. At the thirteen thousand, if it was built at a twenty percent inclusionary rate, meaning every housing development or multi unit development is twenty percent affordable that means we would have nearly uh, 70,000 new units. So it's nearly 100% um, to match, you know, our current housing stock. It's incredible. Well, what, what's the point of this? Why can't they leave your city alone? People are happy living there the way it is. Nobody wants to be overcrowded. And you certainly don't have the infrastructure to handle all this. I, this is right. like some kind of war they've declared. They're going to well, force it, it you is. to take in tens of thousands yeah. of people that uh, all the other residents don't want. Well, and, and not only that, but it's it's um, you know Huntington Beach is like I said is a suburban beach town community. We're not we're not built vertically. We're not built with high density. But the state's design for Huntington Beach is for us to import or to develop a ton of high density development. They want high rises. They want high density. Um, and in and, and Huntington Beach, like I said, it's already well, built out. We're, we're already built out. So well, they want to why is it? Why, why is it their business? I mean, the state's losing population by the hundreds of thousands. Why is it their business to redesign Huntington Beach? Well, you're right. According to recent articles, um, 700,000 uh, people have left uh, California in the past couple of years. But Huntington Beach has been a target uh, for Newsom in particular and Governor Brown before him for years. Uh, Newsom has cited Huntington Beach in his press releases, um, in his um, press conferences. Um, and he has declared, he really has declared, I don't want to say war, but he has cited us, singled us out as, as a city uh, that is, a, he, as he can, calls it, a, basically a bad actor in the housing effort and that we will be punished. Uh, so he seeks to punish us. He's, he's going to punish the people of Huntington Beach by forcing the construction of 13,000-plus units. Absolutely. And, and not only that, not only that, John, it, it gets worse because that's 13,368 just in this planning cycle, which ends in about 
um, ends in about five or six years. The next planning cycle, we're hearing that they're going to send a mandate of over 30,000 units to Huntington Beach. So, so they want enormous um, apartment buildings all over Huntington Beach. Absolutely. I mean, they, they have a vision for Huntington Beach that is not Huntington Beach. And, and that's the rub. You know, Huntington Beach, as I said, is over 95% already developed. But we also have our local legislative authority, our city council, that decides what zoning we're going to have in the city. And they have for decades and decades. The California Constitution specifically recognizes local authorities like our city council to make zoning decisions, not the state. In fact, the California Constitution and, and a lot of case law that, that flows from it on this topic of local zoning says that the California Constitution rights of local city councils on zoning supersede state laws. So there's a fight. This fight's not over. There's been a lot of lawsuits that have been filed by, the, by other cities, um, but we have a pretty massive lawsuit coming as well. It's in development right now. In fact, I've been working on it all day. Um, and, and it's going to be filed um, in the next week or two. Um, and it's going to it's going to unveil probably the biggest fight, you know, we've had on housing to date. Um, and it's really to push back on the state's authority. Um, we're aiming to be in federal court um, and to make the case to a federal court that the state um, has run afoul of the California Constitution as well as the U.S. Constitution. If if it's so clearly uh, written in the state constitution, why are they why are they doing this? I mean, their lawyers could read the Constitution, too. Well, well, because here's the thing. They, they say, well. Local legislative authority, even that those protected by the California Constitution can be eroded or change over time if there's a matter of statewide concern. So basically the state is saying, well, housing and the shortage of housing is a matter of statewide concern. The problem is statewide concern is a certain approach that has to meet certain standards and has to accomplish the goal that it set out, sets out to accomplish. The state's problem on this statewide concern for housing is this, John. One thing I mentioned is... 95% of California is undeveloped. So they're not targeting the undeveloped areas. They're only targeting the developed areas. The second thing is, unfortunately for the state, they've exempted certain areas of the state from this mandate, like Marin County. Marin ah. County has been ah. exempt from the housing mandates and housing laws since 2017. And guess what Marin County is? Governor Newsom's hometown. That is, yes. And... He's also uh, has is targeting Huntington Beach because it's a more Republican section, right? Of the state. Absolutely. Well, if, yeah, if you want to look, at, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Hey, if you want to look at look at it through a political lens, you know that's precisely right. Yeah, I mean, Huntington Beach is a, a pretty. It's been a pretty conservative mecca for decades, and the governor, um, you know, and the government in the in Sacramento. Um, has taken exception to that, but you know the thing about it, it cannot be lost on the public what. The Sacramento has done to benefit Governor Newsom specifically and personally by exempting his hometown, the county of Marin County, from the state housing mandates. That should shock the conscience of every Californian and every city that is subject to these housing mandate laws. Well, isn't that the way? It's, it's like during COVID when he locked all the schools down, except for his kids, they got to go to school. Right. Well, hardly, but, hard, hard, but, hardly but, missing anything. But as a matter of law, those exemptions and those exceptions undermine 
the statewide concern. Once they undermine right. the statewide concern, they're basically shooting themselves in the foot. So in all of their you know, cutesy way of uh, trying to navigate this and handle this, they've actually hurt themselves. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to be taking to court and saying, look, Your Honor, this can't possibly be a state effort that's a matter of statewide concern if they're going to be exempting and accepting certain areas of the, city, of the state, I'm sorry, but then also not even incentivizing or targeting undeveloped areas. They're literally going after and targeting highly developed areas for redevelopment like conservative areas like Huntington Beach. Yeah, I remember when they went after the Orange County beaches in the early days yeah. of COVID, yep. which was and purely we filed, we filed suit on that as yes, well. Uh, that was purely a, a political move, right? Be and you know, and and it, it, you're right, John. It goes back to that too. You know, we sued Newsom and the state over the beach closures here in Huntington Beach. We've got eight miles of undeveloped open. Uh, beach that people were enjoying during COVID. He shut us down for no health reason whatsoever, but because we were having, we were enjoying our beaches during the COVID lockdown. So he punished us for that. So we're, we've been on his mind um, and in his, You're in his, in his heart for years. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a real, there's a real ax to grind, but you know, the thing is, is what people have to remember too, as a city attorney in Huntington Beach, and then with my city council, we have a duty to defend our city. So a lot of folks say, well, why don't you just roll over and go along with the state? The state's going to win. It's state mandates, blah, blah, blah. Look, we're going to keep fighting until a court tells well, us we've got no more fight well, left. It's not, we it's, have to. It's not their business. People in Huntington Beach ought to be left alone. If they want to live among other single-family homes, then let them. Exactly. They, 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 Newsom has zero business sticking his nose and his wacky, woke theories on how people should live. Yeah, I know this is a well, weird socialist dream they have that everyone's going to live in an apartment and bike to their well, jobs. And and that everybody should be entitled to or able to live in Huntington Beach and it's that's just not that's just not reality. No, no, I mean, you know, I I I'd like to live in in Paris, France half the year too, but I you know, I can't do that. It's just you you just can't you have to you you can't design Huntington Beach or redesign Huntington Beach so that everybody has a right to live here. It just doesn't work like that. All right. Well, this is uh, this is something else. We'll be following this, uh, this, and well, I guess many uh, we'll, other cities. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll be filing that suit. Like I said, in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about it. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk to you again then. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thanks All right. a lot. It's Michael Gates. He's the Huntington Beach city attorney. You believe this? So Newsom and the state legislature sticking their beaks into the into beach towns saying that, oh, well, you have to have 13,000 apartments built. Says who? Well, what, are you, what are you talking about? They want to urbanize a quiet little beach town just because they say so, because that's just their, their fashionable ideology of the moment. That's crazy. You know, and the developers who build these projects, I wonder how much money they've donated to Newsom and all those criminals in Sacramento. And you know that's a big component here. But of course, of course, Marin County is exempt. Sure. That's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's hard to live. I mean, if you pay attention to what's going on, it's actually hard to live in this state with all the massive amount of corruption that goes on on a daily basis, big and small. Almost, almost everything we discuss. And now this whole equity nonsense, right? Kids have to go to all the same classes in Culver City. There's no honor classes. 
and everybody should be allowed to live in Huntington Beach, even if they can't afford it. And if they can't afford it, well, then you got to build some cheap housing and let them afford it. And if people want to live in a single-family, upper-middle-class or upper-middle-class environment, well, they can't. That's some kind of uh, unwanted privilege. Yikes. Uh, more coming up. John and Ken, and I'm telling you, you got to wake up and pay attention to what's going on out there because the, these wokeheads, these progressives, these communists, they have infiltrated every aspect of normal life. They're destroying uh, your, your kids' schools. They're getting rid of honors programs in places like Santa Monica, Malibu, Culver City. So if you have a kid who's uh, smart and capable of learning quickly, uh, they are now going to be blocked from taking honors classes. They have been already. It's already started this school year. And, and parents are angry. And they try to uh, attack the parents by shouting equity, 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 like that's some magic incantation. That is uh, damaging discrimination against the kids. Now you have in Huntington Beach, same thing in the name of equity. They're trying to force 13,000 units. They're trying to force the construction of 13,000 units in Huntington Beach. And nobody in Huntington Beach wants this. Um because why can't people be just alone? You, you, uh, no city should be required to build one unit against its will. It's an interesting statistic that our, uh, the uh, that the city attorney had from Huntington Beach, Michael Gates, that 95% of the population lives on about 5% of the land here in California. It's true. We took a drive up uh, to the Bay Area, up the five. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of empty land. <laughs> that doesn't even count the desert and the mountains. Uh, but I just every 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 I they they're forcibly remaking our 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 way of life, and it happens slowly, drip by drip, and a lot of people aren't noticing it because they're not paying attention, as they're busy scrolling on their screens. Um, when after two thirty, I want to tell you about and believe me, believe me, the last thing I want to discuss is COVID stuff, but there are two. Huge studies that came out, which completely and definitively uh, blew a lot of the mandates that we had to live under completely out of the water, that they were completely unnecessary. And we lived uh, in that compromised state for uh, two, two to three years just because of hysteria. Uh, and all the, all the people who were hysterical, and I, you know, I doubt they'd even make it through listening to this. I think after 30 seconds, they'd shut down because the way people's minds are habituated these days is if they hear information that is contrary to uh, their feelings, they just shut down. But uh, they're the ones who believed in science. Well, science is absolutely showing that, uh, that, that mask mandates, that the risk of uh, dying from COVID uh, were, were completely misrepresented by the government by some of the health agencies at the time, and were believed by way too many people. Uh, we'll get to that after 2.30. It's, it's quite eye-opening. And, you know, for the record, this stuff has to be acknowledged. I, much of the media is going to ignore it because it goes against their progressive value system. But uh, at least you'll know about it. So, like, it's all you can hope for is that you find out what the truth is. Um, Got a bad news today. Uh, Alec Baldwin is no longer facing a long jail sentence 
for uh, shooting the uh, cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of his movie Rust. Uh, the original set of charges was going to put him away for five years. Uh, there was a firearm enhancement to the involuntary manslaughter charge. But as it turns out, this firearm enhancement was passed in New Mexico after Alec Baldwin did the shooting. And, you know, it's unconstitutional to uh, convict somebody of a crime that didn't exist at the time that uh, he committed the crime. He can face 18 months for the involuntary manslaughter. But the firearms enhancement, no, they passed that after after the shooting. So uh, he's up for less jail time. I hope he gets the full 18 months. You think at least that should happen. All right, more coming up. Uh, and yeah, in fact, we come up, you will be shocked to find out what the risk of COVID death was for people under 50. Uh, and this is pre-vaccine. What do you think the what do you think the risk of dying from COVID was if you were under 50 before the vaccines? You're going to be absolutely bowled over by this. More coming up, coming up after oh, Ken's away today. Coming up after three o'clock, uh, we're supposedly going to carry a, a live news conference about the shooting of that uh, Catholic bishop in Hacienda Heights. And uh, often these news conferences run late or they don't come at all. So it's, you know, it's kind of a flimsy promise that we're giving you however we will talk to steve gregory at some point about the whole uh crime uh they are going to officially announce the name of the killer and from all the press indications some of these uh, stories have been posted for hours and nobody has rescinded them yet uh it looks like uh it's the husband of a woman who worked in the house where the bishop lived in hacienda heights if you could follow that, uh, uh, he, she was uh, so, some kind of employee there. And uh, the husband, uh, I guess, had a problem with the bishop and shot him in, uh, in the torso and killed him. So uh, we, will, uh, we will bring you the press conference and we'll bring you Steve Gregory and uh, we'll collate all the different news stories swirling about and see what it is. But uh, this happened on Saturday afternoon. It was... Uh, Bishop David O'Connell, 69 years old. He lived alone in the house. All right. Um, oh, yes, about about the COVID stuff. Okay, now I, 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 I can understand if, if you hear there's a COVID story, you go, oh, Jesus, no, no more. Can't. It's, it's bigger than that. It's more important than that, though. It's about not believing the government. It's about not believing the media. It's about not getting caught up in hysteria. It's not about automatically trusting people because they have um, certain credentials or degrees or honorifics before their name. It's about using your own common sense, keeping calm. It's about not turning a, a medical procedure into some political act of virtue signaling. Um, this is from Alex Berenson, who we had on the show during COVID, and he wrote a lot of Stuff that was against the grain, got a lot of criticism for it. Uh, Twitter uh, had him, uh, I think, suspended for a while. All, all, Facebook, all kinds of stuff like that, right? But he kept persevering, and it turned out much of what he wrote uh, was absolutely true. Uh, it just went against the official uh, government uh, instruction at the time. 
And as we know, uh, the uh, Biden administration and, and the Trump administration were all trying to uh, force these social media companies to um, censor people. And the, uh, the, the media companies happily did that. Uh, a lot of them were leftist progressives. And this whole COVID situation became a war, often from the progressives. Of course, the right wing acted absurdly as well with their their anti-vaccine nonsense. Um, it, it was just it was just an awful period, and there was there's there was very little reasonable debate, very little information that was trustworthy. Um, it's just it's just all the worst of humanity. It was just nothing but panic and hysteria. Um, well, Alex Berenson, going back to him, he has a story today on his Substack.com site. And the headline is, one in 45,000. What does that mean? The COVID, death, the COVID death risk pre-vaccine for age people under 50 was one in 45,000. That included the people with all the severe health problems, whether it was obesity or uh, diabetes or cancer or immune system disorders, whatever, what they, they call them comorbidities because these would be other factors that would lead to your death along with the COVID. Well, they have gone through all the statistics and it turned out if you're under 50, you had only a 1 in 45,000 chance of dying, which practically is zero. Because the 1 out of 45,000 did have all those terrible comorbidities, those terrible diseases. Uh, he says this likely overstates the COVID deaths that some of the deaths attributed to COVID actually were other causes, but... You know, they died with COVID, not of COVID. They just happened to have the virus at the time. That's what was written down in the death certificate during the hysteria. Um, they did this study in the Netherlands um, in 2020 and 2021. And it, and it, and it, it, it involved calculating excess deaths. In other words, this is a pretty steady death number from year to year in most civilized countries, Western countries that have Western medicine that are not beset by enormous amounts of poverty. And there's charts here that measure the infections, the hospitalizations and deaths from the COVID waves. Um, and especially the, the second wave in the fall of 2020, because the first wave, there were a lot of people who died because they were forced onto ventilators. Remember that? Turned out the ventilators were killing him. Uh, a lot of people died in nursing homes because, like Gavin Newsom, Barbara Ferrer, forced people into nursing homes, and that act alone killed them. Andrew Cuomo did this. If these people didn't go to nursing homes, they wouldn't have caught COVID. They wouldn't have died. So once you get out of the hysteria of the first couple of months and you get to the second wave and beyond the second wave into 2021, you start looking like, well, who's really dying here? And again, this is pre-vaccine. And they looked at all the deaths they could find, even tangentially related to COVID under the age of 50. They had so few. 
Um, in fact, they estimated that there's 10.5 million people under the age of 50 in the Netherlands. The number of excess deaths that they had during the last six months of 2020, 24. Over 10 million people, 24 deaths in the Netherlands. Um, they looked at a million infections in people under 50 in that time period. Assuming the 24 extra deaths were COVID-related, that means the infection fatality rate was 0.002%, one in 45,000. And this is just taking a broad look of people in that age range, people who had COVID, people who got, you know, got infected, had COVID, how many, how many of them died. Um, it, it was exactly who you thought it was. I mean, mostly it was people who were elderly. I mean, we knew that within the first few weeks. There, we knew that in the first few weeks, and we we also knew that unless you had really extreme health problems under the age of fifty, the chances you of you dying. I, you know, I mean, if you were healthy, I think the chances were just about zero. And yet everybody was forced into their homes. Everything was shut down. And I remember, we talked about this on the air over and over again. It's like, why aren't they isolating the vulnerable and letting the healthy keep the country going? Didn't make any sense to me. Instead, you know, even, even little children who had virtually zero death, a zero death risk, they weren't allowed... They weren't allowed to, to go to school for all those months. And as every day goes by and you look backwards and you look backwards at the hysteria that happened. Then there was a second study that came out. And uh, this was written about by John Tierney in the City Journal. And I, you may not know John Tierney. It's not like he's famous, but I, I keep track of his writing all the time because Tierney constantly goes against the grain. He does the research and finds out a lot of what you're told is is just nonsense. I mean, I, I've been reading him for 25 years. And uh, I'll tell you more about what he wrote coming up in just a minute, also on the COVID matter. Coming up after 3 o'clock, we're going to uh, hopefully carry this press conference on the uh, on the murder in Hacienda Heights of, uh, of the Catholic bishop. Uh, apparently, uh, according to what's leaking out, the killer was the husband of the woman who worked in the priest's home. So we will uh, bring you that news conference uh, coming up. It was Bishop David O'Connell uh, killed Saturday afternoon in his bed. At 1 o'clock in the afternoon, there was a SWAT team operation in Torrance this morning. Uh and uh, the suspect was barricaded, uh, according to one report, most of the night. And finally, at 9 in the morning, they were able to capture him. So what uh, what motivated this exactly? Supposedly, well, we'll, we'll get into the details. Uh, Steve Gregor will be on, too. That's coming up after 5 o'clock. Now, uh, last, oh, by the way, Ken's away today. Last segment, I told you that. Finally, they, they're, they're studying all the numbers now that the uh, COVID hysteria has largely subsided. Uh, and they found out that the Pre-vaccine COVID death risk, if you were under 50, was about 1 in 45,000. 
And you had to be really, really, really sick to uh, be one of the one in 45,000. So all that hysteria was all for nothing uh, if you were under the age of 50. There was absolutely no reason to fear what was going on. The second study, and we touched on this last week, but John Tierney, he writes for uh, city-journal.org, and he's, he's a great writer. I first discovered him 25 years ago. He was the first one to write definitively that recycling was a complete bust. It, there was no financial value in it. Uh, there was no money to be made in recycling. There was no market for the products. So everybody who dutifully separated their stuff at home, with the possible exception of uh, cardboard, um, you were wasting your time. Uh, there, there, was, there, was, there was just no market for what basically was garbage. And we just had to accept that this is garbage and the garbage has to go to the landfill and coming up with complicated recycling incentives and methods was just a waste of time. Um, the headline of his story on the uh, COVID research is approximately zero. And this is about masks. Masks make no difference in reducing the spread of COVID, according to extensive new review by a group called Cochrane. Cochrane is the gold standard for evaluating health interventions. They do what's known as meta studies. They take a large group of studies and blend all the evidence together. Because, you know, any particular study could have its flaws and anomalies. But if you take many different studies on the same subject matter, you're going to get much closer to the truth. And he writes, we now have the most authoritative estimate of the value provided by wearing masks during the pandemic, approximately zero. Neither surgical masks nor N95 masks have been shown to make a difference in reducing the spread of COVID-19 and other respiratory illnesses. And the gold standard for medical evidence is the randomized clinical trial. And the gold standard for analyzing the evidence is Cochrane, formerly known as the Cochrane Collaboration, the world's largest and most respected organization for evaluating health interventions, funded by the National Institutes of Health and other agencies. The NIH is, was, was Anthony Fauci's outfit. So Fauci directed money to the Cochrane collaboration, which they used in part to study the effectiveness of mask mandates. Of course, Fauci knew this because if you remember in the early days, he said that masks weren't necessary. Um, it's an international network of reviewers based in London. They partner with the World Health Organization. Other medical journals have hailed Cochrane for being the single best resource for methodologic research. It is recognized worldwide as the highest standard in evidence-based health care. They looked at trials during the COVID-19 pandemic in hospitals and community settings. 15 trials. They compared outcomes of wearing surgical masks to wearing no masks versus N95 masks. They had a dozen researchers from six countries. Six different countries. And the conclusion that wearing any kind of face covering probably makes little or no difference in the spread of respiratory illness. Not just COVID, but everything else. Um, it may seem intuitive that masks must do something. But even if they do trap droplets from coughs or sneezes, 
which is the reason that surgeons wear masks, they still allow tiny viruses to spread by aerosol even when worn correctly. And it's unrealistic to expect most people to do so. While a mask may keep out some pathogens, its inner surface can trap concentrations of pathogens that are then breathed back into the lungs. Whatever the theoretical benefits there might be, in clinical trials, the benefits have turned out either to be an illusion or offset by negative factors. Tom Jefferson, the lead author of the review from Oxford, summed up the real science on masks. Oh, you'll like this. There is just no evidence that they make any difference. Full stop. We got a full stop out of the guy. Now, if you notice, this story didn't exactly lead all the network newscasts, nor was it banner headlines in most of the major newspapers. Because for some reason, most of the media, major media is now made up of progressive people who wore masks proudly as a symbol of their political belief system. And I think human nature is once you've publicly insisted that a, a certain behavior is mandatory for two or three years, you just can't climb down from that tree. You're, you're stuck up there, especially when you vilified the non-mask wearers as being uh, barbarians and Neanderthals. You know, where are you going to go? But for those people who said, well, you know, I follow the science, I believe the science. Looks like the science changed on you. Are you changing too? Or I'm telling you, 95% of the behavior that we experienced the last few years has just been pure hysteria. There have been like four hysterias going on simultaneously in this country. One was the COVID hysteria. Another was the Trump hysteria. Another was the hysteria after George Floyd. The fourth one has been about climate change. All of them have huge progressive political components to it. Forcing people to publicly believe or say that they believe in something or you risk being ostracized, ridiculed. And uh, historians years from now are going to look at this time and be absolutely fascinated because all this will die out eventually. Human beings will revert to their default settings. We can't stay in progressive hysteria much longer. And I think there's already signs of a lot of cracks going on. Uh, Tierney also supplies a helpful chart, which uh, it, it's got two lines, a black line and an orange line. And it shows mask mandates versus no mandates, daily cases for 100,000 people. And it shows you in graphic form, the graph, uh, the rise and fall of COVID, Right. The lines, orange and black, zig up, they go down, they zig up, they go down, they zig way up and go down. The worst of it was uh, December 21, January 22. Um, and they counted up the number of cases where there were mask mandates and the number of cases where there are no mandates. And they track. Almost exactly. Slight variations at one point or another. But for the most part, in fact, during some periods, <coughs> places with mask mandates had more cases than places without mask mandates. Um, 
He writes at the end, hundreds of millions of Americans dutifully covered their faces in the states with the mandates, and the result was the same. The masks made no difference. So, you know, between these two studies, it turns out that if you were under 50, you had practically a zero chance of dying from COVID, and that's pre-vaccine. And then the masks that everybody wore had no effect on the spread of COVID. So the mandates didn't work, didn't matter. Just think about all the heated conversations. Think about all the indignation, the anger, the name-calling, all the, all the rules, the restrictions, the lost income, what it did psychologically, especially to children, all the isolation. Just think about all that damage that this country absorbed, and we're still suffering from it, too. None of it was based in scientists. science. Almost all of it was based in hysteria. And also the desire to conform politically. And the, the desire to bully people and tell them what to do and have control over them. You know, you, you, at the very least at the end of this, everybody should remember all the lessons we learned. Because this will happen again. John and Ken show. And when we come back, uh, we are eventually going to carry the, uh, the uh, press conference about the uh, murder of Bishop David O'Connell in uh, Hacienda Heights. Steve Gregory will be on the case, too. That's ahead. Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.